Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel from the most fascinating people in the business community from all over our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And for the past month, my friend, months, we have been witnessing played out on the U.S. political stage some of the most bitter, most blunderful, and most very clever negotiating strategies between Congress, the party heads, the president, and all those tweets. And from wherever you sit, uh, whatever your take is on the wall or immigration or any of it, you cannot deny that this is hard, hard, hardball negotiation with the gloves-off tactics and all of which holds a great negotiative lesson for you, the lady or gentleman of business listening in. And to help you tease apart this whole pressed up, messed up political debacle and to show you uh, who, well, who's handled this standoff really stupidly and whose tactics are the ones that you should be copying is the master negotiator himself, uh, um, Mr. Greg Williams, who has just been voted among the top 30 body language uh, experts on the planet, and he is a master also of the negotiated word, clever arbiter of squabbling entertainment industry heads, and so much more. In short, this is the gentleman you need to learn from. So whether you're a job seeker going in for that all-important compensation interview like Mary Lou or you're an M&A specialist banker seeking to smooth out that leverage takeover like Hank, pull up your chair a little closer. Join us in this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Greg, I truly welcome you and thank you for being our Dante, taking us through this Politico inferno churning all around us and up to the paradise of wise takeaways, we hope. How are you doing? Hey, Bart, I'm alive and well, I'm A-OK, that's what I always say. And truly, just like that, when you're negotiating, it's the mindset that you take into the negotiation that will serve as your ally when you are negotiating. So thank you for having me on the program today. Ah, what, with the wisdom flows over from the bowl immediately. Wonderful. Thanks, Greg. I... Now, I hear you've been to, uh, negotiating some major corporate deals and along with some international M&A. Could you fill us in on what you've been doing? Sure. Can you remind me what M&A is, Bart? No, Matt, Bart, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. And I offer like a stone. Right. Uh, I used to sit under the sign that said, slow children, and he's got me again. Do <laughs> But but you know what, Bart? Oh, I, I I did that, and I apologize if I offended anyone because no, that's no. never my intent. Um, but I, I did that, Bart, because even when you're talking about M&A negotiations or any form of negotiations, you have to be very mindful of the environment you're in, and you mm. can set the environment such as what I just did. So for a moment, I was asking for assistance. People love to help other individuals. And uh, now think about this for a moment. You just gave this great introduction of me and uh, the insights that I bestow upon 
clients, uh, for prospects, <laughs> when I'm talking about negotiations. And then the first question pops out of yeah. my mouth is, well, can you tell me what uh, M&A is again? One way when you're negotiating <laughs> to truly push people back on like, huh, <laughs> is to pose a question. Ah that actually sets them up to momentarily wonder, wait a minute, what is really happening? And I, I, I use all of that part to set the stage for exactly what we'll be discussing today. Because as you indicated, yes, I have been involved in uh, international corporate M&A negotiations along with uh, other corporate uh, negotiations. The thing that you have to also be aware of is in today's environment, you have to be extremely careful about the information that you put out there because my tagline is you're always negotiating. So I can put information out there about or even something that seems to be similar to a negotiation that I'm in, and an opponent, uh, a wise one, would be just scouring the Internet to see what I've said, how I've said it, when I've said it, and they can pick that information up. So that's a long answer of saying, yes, I have been doing that, and that's the end of that story for now. <laughs> wow. Well, I, and, and with it, of course, flows forth wisdom like toothpaste back into the tube, or war <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> Greg, i, I got to ask, because I, I know you've been doing this, and I, uh, you deal with all kinds of stuff. All types. So I have to ask, are the creative, artistic divas of Hollywood, are they tougher to deal with than the greedy corporate types? Or are they both the same? Well, greedy was your word, not mine. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, that's absolutely true, obviously. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a greedy SOB. I think most of us are in, in, in business. We, we want what we want for ourselves, which is good. Well, exactly. And the reason I really said greedy is your word, not mine, is because we have to be careful per how we label people when we're negotiating because mm-hmm. our biases can easily kick in if we really allow a word such as greedy to be the prominent thought in our mind. Think about this. We're entering into a negotiation, and we think to ourselves, boy, right. oh, boy, those corporate folks are all greedy types. So, hmm. When I was a kid, I remember when people used to take advantage of me, and just FYI, we always carry our inner kid around in us. So back to my example, um, when I was a kid, people used to take advantage of me. Dog, got it. This greedy corporate person is not going to do that to me. I'm going to really dig my heels in now. Let's imagine uh, boom. this individual or entity that you're negotiating with is the most open, giving, caring, concerned person in the world. You're now adopting – you have now adopted a negotiation style that is going to be counter to the person that you're actually negotiating with. So when you, yeah. whenever you're thinking about with whom you're going to be negotiating, you have to be very mindful of labels, number one. Number two. Some people can be difficult. Uh, you mentioned the uh, artist divas uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. I've negotiated many Hollywood deals too. And therein lies again where you have to be cautious. Someone can have a bad day, let's term it, on one right. occasion yeah. and you're negotiating with them. You might truly say, my gosh, this person really is a diva, as opposed to the person having the following day a better day and changing the whole demeanor that you had labeled the prior day. So one always needs to keep an open mind when negotiating, and one has to be very, very careful of the titles that one uses in a negotiation to identify 
the other negotiator or entity that you're negotiating with. And when you say identify, you mean not only identify to them, but identifying them to yourself, right? Oh, exactly, Bart, exactly. And, and oh, that's uh-huh. an excellent point that you just raised, too, because when you're speaking with someone, you heard me say a moment ago, my intent is never to insult anyone. And I honestly mean that. Now, that's the way I live my life. And yet, right. if I'm negotiating with someone that takes on bullying tactics, yeah, I will change that perspective about my outlook, and I may become insulting dependent upon what degree of insults I'm met with and or to what degree I wish to position myself. It's an act that I know I'm playing within myself because of the type of negotiation I'm in and the style of negotiations that I have to project in order to shepherd the negotiation down a particular path that leads to Victory. Right. Victory for me and the other negotiator. Well, this leads right into what we're talking about because I believe manipulated anger and, and outright rage. And so uh, we have seen this in our political situation coming up of, of late. And sometimes you find yourself with this person who's who's just, uh, uh, well, it seemed uh, what we have seen in, in our own political uh, arenas here in the, the U.S. political arenas, we've seen what I call the conquistador. That is the kind of person he just wants a victory. It's personal. It's uh, the terms of the deal seem almost secondary, and uh, and but and they're they're out for this. Are there some sort of body language signals or, or watchwords that can sort of identify this this, this sort of uh, victory at all cost person? Well, definitely. And again, you have to discern to what degree the person may be projecting an image that is not his normal style of negotiation. But nevertheless, uh, let's create a a hypothetical situation. You're in the room where the negotiation is going to occur. Now, you heard me uh, state earlier that my, my tagline, my motto is you're always negotiating. So people have already gathered information, background information about the person, the entity with whom they're going to be negotiating. So you're sitting in the room waiting for the negotiation to start. The other individual walks into the room, uh, brisk pace, at a brisk pace, uh, with somewhat of a scowl on his face as he looks at you and he says, uh, uh, okay, let's get down to business. No pleasantries at all. Now, that's a nonverbal, verbal gesture of the person indicating through his quick pace, which is then aligned with his words of let's get down to business. You always want to observe how the body language synchronizes with the verbiage. So, for example, use the same situation. The person walks into the room slowly, and he looks over at you, smiles for a moment, and then says, okay, let's get down to business. Now, that's a slight disconnect. He did not appear to be in a hurry as he entered into the room, and that's just one little small signal that you can note to what degree this guy is trying to project an image that he's really not willing to back up as you enter deeper into the negotiation. Uh, now, uh, now, 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 let's look at some other signals also. He gives you an ultimatum. 
Oh, look, I know we don't have time to negotiate uh, today to the degree that uh, we'd normally have. Uh, so, so I'm just going to put my bottom line uh, on the table right off the bat. If you want it, fine. If you don't, that's fine, too, because I do have other people that I can speak with to obtain what it is that I'm seeking from you through this negotiation. Taking, for instance, okay. Greg, perhaps I just want $5.7 billion for a wall, just to take an example out of nowhere. <laughs> Well, Bart, that's something else you have to be aware of. <laughs> how, how people wisdom interrupts uh, is what they call it. Uh, but go ahead. Well, how people attempt to frame a conversation when you're in a negotiation, because any uh, little thing such as that first question I posed, uh, can you remind me what the M&A is again? Uh, you know, that can alter the flow of a negotiation, which can throw a negotiator off of his or her game plan. So you're talking about uh, the wall as an example, and I'm right. going to go right back to my, my example. To where you were. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because I definitely do not wish to go into deep waters, as it were. There's sharks out there for that, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, so, so anyway, I, well, I was strictly grace. Trust, trust me, I was only uh, trying to elucidate. That was the only thing in my mind. I assure you, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but you, know let, let, you don't believe it either, for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Let, 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 let's wrap all of this into one bow. Then again, it's the okay. way that you position your proposition that adds or detracts. Uh from the perceived value of it. And thus, think about okay. this. You know who your supporters are. In a negotiation, yeah. you always yeah. need to know where the support lies for any particular stance you might adopt because therein lies where you could have a source of leverage. And in any negotiation, you need to have a source of leverage such that with the example I was citing with this guy giving the ultimatum a moment ago, you can then say to his, uh, his offer, well, I hear exactly what you're saying about, uh, you know, this is a take it or leave it uh, opportunity. Notice the framing of the word opportunity that we both could engage in uh, that uh, would benefit both of our entities. Um, your bottom line is something that I just cannot accept. You know what, Bart? Even as I'm saying that, I'm shaking my head no. And so my body language is even aligned with the words, and all we're doing is role-playing right, right now. Uh, as, as so he's getting and, a solid, unified message from everything that ex you're doing. Exactly. And then going back to the leverage aspect of this, well, uh, sir, I've actually spoken with some of my counterparts, and I know none of them will accept your bottom line offer. Now, did you notice how I changed the pace to add a degree of seriousness? Oh. And I could have also done that, conveyed it subliminally, by even deepening my voice. Sir, mm -hmm. I've spoken with my counterpart, with, with my associates, and I know none of them will accept that bottom line offer that you've put on the table. And then don't say anything. Right. Let that person take the lead from there. Right, 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 right. And, and yeah, because what you're saying is, okay, now we got to start all over again. Um, 
the, Adolf Hitler used to use that technique, actually. But it was um, <laughs> the, the thing is that you just also brought up something here that is a very, very important point. Uh, and what we've seen in our in in the political arena now, you get people who are nego. You get two people who are negotiating the the, the uh, president versus Pelosi, or, or however the, you want to term it. That's sort of a press uh, shorthand. But the the truth of it is, these are people who at least they don't feel as if they're negotiating for themselves. Each one has a constituency, and uh, that they feel is that they're representing and you often when you yourself are, are negotiating you are you don't feel you are representing uh, a board or a company a corporate board or, or whatever and uh, so how do you avoid or how do you work within this squeeze play a thing of, of the guys at your back who's saying we want this we want this and the guy across from the table well it's uh <laughs> Well, let me see. I'll frame that as saying you have to know what your negotiation plan is going into the negotiation. You've created it. You know what outcomes you're going to um, expect. You know what you can receive, and you bracket those expectations. And thus, you think, okay, this is the best that I would hope for to get out of the deal. This is the medium and this is the lowest point at which I have to walk away if we can't even get there. And knowing right. that you have uh, again others that you're negotiating on whose behalf you're negotiating means that you are really representing them. Now, that gives you cover too in a negotiation. You and I are negotiating Bart and we know that we're negotiating on behalf of both our individuals, our constituents. And I say to you right. Oh, Bart, you know, I would truly love to be able to do a better job for you or to meet you halfway or or whatever. Oh, my hands are tied, though. Let me tell you, these fellows just have me locked up with yada, yada, yada. Bart, if it were me, I'd give it to you, but I don't have the leeway to do so. Can you help me help us in this negotiation? And and remember, some of that... (laughs) It's nothing but a ploy also. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but here's where body language also comes in. Because let's say I'm citing exactly what I just stated a moment ago, Bart, and at the same time I have this big smile on my face. Or I'm actually leaning in as though I'm grinning grinning at you. Okay, that is not (laughs) conveying the degree of seriousness that the nonverbal signals is matching up to the body, the verbiage that I'm actually citing, which yeah. then detracts from the message. You should be showing the frustration that your words are, are indicating. Exactly, exactly. So you have to just understand with whom it is that are your allies, your constituents that you're negotiating for and whom it is to whom it is that you're representing or with whom it is that you're actually representing in a negotiation. And the other negotiator knows that when you're coming into the negotiation anyway, but it doesn't yeah, hurt yeah. Uh, to highlight that fact if you get into a position that becomes uh, too cumbersome for you to really address. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Okay, well, now uh, I just uh, – if you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO Radio Show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time floats 
magically across the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace. And you may listen to this and all our episodes at theartofthecEO.com. And as an added venue, you may also enjoy us on C-Suite Radio Station. We're proud members of C-Suite Radio, where businesses' leading professionals learn, <clears throat> give out the best ideas, and you get to learn and apply them to your own career and ventures. So uh, just visit all our Art of the CEO episodes also on the C-Suite Radio. Now, Greg, uh, there's a, a, you, you not only do a lot of um, negotiating, for uh, uh, I mean counseling of negotiating and in, in, in your books and so forth, um, you have uh, your latest book I believe is uh, negotiating with a bully, and um, then the uh, and also you give counsel. But at the same time, you uh, you if if I don't if I don't want to learn, I just want to win. I I can hire you uh, <laughs> to do my negotiating for me. So tell us. So, so tell the folks, yeah, uh, how how they might get a hold of you and avail themselves of your your, your books, your counsel, or your services. Well, first of all, they can reach me at my number, which is six zero nine three six nine two one zero zero. They can reach me via email at Greg, and that's G R E G at the T H E Master M A S T E R Negotiator N E. G-O-T-I-A-T-O-R dot com. They can also go to my website, which is www.themasternegotiator.com. Right, right. Okay, that's very good. Just one and one more question I have to ask when uh, before we go for a break, and that is, uh, we, we've talked a bit about the line in the sand and, and so forth. Uh, when... It comes time. There, there is is a time. You said you you look at your best, your middle, your bottom. At which point you have to walk away. Give us any hints. Can you give us some hints on knowing when it's time to walk away and how you can sort of do it effectively? Oh, definitely. So, again, I talked about bracketing your expected outcomes. And let's say I'm looking for the the best that I or I should say the least I can accept out of this deal is $5 million. Tell me right. that uh, you can only do uh, you can go as high as 2 million, 3 million dollars and that's as as high as you can commit at this particular point in time. Right. Now I'm going right. to test you by asking questions such as, "Okay, Bart, so what's going to happen if, you know, you and I cannot conclude a deal?" First of all, I already know to what degree the challenges that you're confronted by, I expect you to come in yeah, low. Yeah, because you've done your uh, research. Exactly. So you, you then say, well, uh, you know, I have other people I can talk to, yada, 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 yada. So we do this dance for a period of time, and I'm watching your body language. Are you literally, literally starting to sweat uh, and, and that's a sign that the body is starting to feel anxious about something. Are you rubbing your hands? Are you stroking your arm? Those are comfort gestures that body language indicates that you are in a stressful, becoming more stressed situation. And I'm looking for other signals. Are you speaking faster, slower? Are you tapping the table? Again, all types of gestures, and they come in clusters to actually uh, allow me to assess where it is that you are mentally, regardless of what your words are saying, and I'm paying more attention to your body language than your words because the body yeah. never lies. It never, never lies. Uh-huh. So 
so uh-huh. so we're looking at all of these and then Bart Okay, so you are at two or three million. I'm at five million, and uh, we truly conclude that we can't uh, do any better. I would thank you very much for your offer, for the time that you have put into the negotiation up to that point, and I would say something along the lines of, when you have more leeway to come with a better offer, then we can actually ah. talk. Now, I don't want to tell you you're the yeah. stupidest thing that I've ever met. Your mother should never have given birth to you. I don't want to walk <laughs> well, away and insult you. Well, actually, you may want you. to, but, but you don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't want to insult you because we are working on a challenge, and I'm trying to position the exit as it's a challenge that cannot be solved right now because of the constraints that we're under. But even more so, Bart. I used that $5 million, and I said that was my low end. I would not necessarily disclose that fact in the initial negotiation phase. You know, I would let you wonder, well, so what is his best number? And you might ask me what my best number is. I would give you something slightly uh, uh, above my medium number as my best number and let you negotiate Mm -hmm. me down from there because Everyone in the negotiation has to feel as though they walked away with a win in order to feel good about the negotiation, and that will keep the person locked into the covenant of the agreement of the negotiation versus looking for a back door to get out of that. A back door, right. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's great. Mm-hmm. If uh, So I see that with your negotiative fists all taped up and ready to fight with uh, with Greg's wise words, uh, I truly believe it's time to take a brief sorbet and allow me to proffer you a few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you look at the promises you make and the actual results you deliver and decide which realistically needs adjusting? Or will you forget making your own promises and personal goals and let your actions be guided by the perceived expectations of others? Uh, the choice, my friend, is truly yours. Mm-hmm. And as a second utensil, I can sense you're yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So I am pulling it out here. Ah, okay, here we are. This is for Greg. This is for Greg. Uh, <clears throat> this is number 80. Three daggers will kill your negotiations. A little fear, a lot of anger. Or the assumption that we're all good fellows after the same thing here. <laughs> so, what do you think, Greg? Does our quip catch the big three faux pas? <laughs> it definitely does, Bart. Uh, as a matter of fact, not only does it catch it, it captures some of the components that good negotiators use in a negotiation. And I say that to say, mm. fear can be feigned as well as anger and that good fellow aspect that you mentioned. And you just have to know when to display either and or all of them throughout the course of a negotiation. Wow. It's true. It's true. Truth, truth, beauty, and the bucks at the door. Uh, well, at any rate, I, I've always felt that negotiating really demands your, as an afterthought, sort of demands your fullest attention because it is the process by which you're 
you're seizing what you truly want for yourself. And that, my friend, is vital. Any, at any rate, if you smirked over this quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit BartsBooks.com, pick up your copy of 102 or 101 Best Business Quips book, and you will find your little gray cells reeling not only with laughter, but a surprisingly perceptive overview, or so I would like to believe. And as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon you the answer to last week's business quotation, and that is the name of the individual who said, Opportunity is often missed because it dresses in overalls and looks like work. <laughs> Those words, I love that. Those words were spoken by none other than the crusty and brilliant inventor who lighted up our lives, Mr. Thomas Edison. And stick with us, my friend, because later on in the show, blurting your way, comes another uh, enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. And if your knowledge is correct, you will earn yourself a mind and soul and career-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we return to uh, the master negotiator, Greg Williams, who lays bare the U.S. government's latest negotiator folly, (laughs) allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that company is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to look at uh, one of their books entitled, So That's How They Do It. Tactics of Business Masters. Th- this was, is one of my favorite books, I must say, primarily because of the readership. It, this book is designed for those business folks uh, that we term the energized elite. I mean, you, you know who you are. You're, you're that individual who really wants a fulfilling, satisfying career, and you want enough to push your arm, hands on the swivel chair, rise up and get that new idea, seize it and apply it to your own business. Well, you don't need some sort of seven-step template. You think for yourself. That's what, uh, so that's how they do it. Provide you, uh, it gives you tactics and disciplines and attitudes from a worldwide array of business masters. We even, you will, if you find, you will find some of Greg's wise words written down in there. So, you may pick up your copy of So That's How They Do It at BartsBooks.com or Amazon or a whole host of bookstores. But do pick it up because carpe diem, my friend, you are indeed worth it. And now with utensils in hand, let's move on with more of the wisdom of the master negotiator, Greg Williams, who's showing us how government bullies are actually going hardball and what you can learn. Greg, you mentioned earlier that anger is... Uh, is a, is it can be real or feigned, but it's it's also a tricky a tricky negotiating tool. I've I've seen it turned off and on like a faucet. Um, how uh, how how what would be uh, some some good body tools for for uh, we we've seen real rage in the political in the political arena lately. How do you tell real rage from the feigned uh, from the feigned thing? <laughs> Well, first of all, you're setting the foundation by observing how a person acts when she is in a neutral environment. I mean, no threats, nothing to fear, uh, et cetera. And you're observing what she does with her body in that particular environment. Uh, when she's trying to recall information, does she look up and to the left? Uh, when she's smiling, does she put her hand over her mouth as she's smiling, which could be an indication that I don't want you to hear something or see something, I don't believe something, yada, yada, yada. But you use that 
to ah. establish your foundation from which you'll compare actions she exhibits in the negotiation. So when it comes to feigning anger, uh, again, you're building a dossier up on this person way before you get to the official negotiation table, which, again, is why I say you're always negotiating, and you know how that person is going to respond or has responded to similar situations, similar stresses that you're going to put her in during the negotiation. So you say something along the lines of, um, Mary, I tell you, Mary, I uh, (laughs) – and, Bart, I'm shaking my head even as I'm just talking again, being all aligned. Okay. Uh, Mary, Mary, you know, I've seen you in this type of position in, in the past. And my goodness, I, I know you're better than that. I know you're better than what you're displaying Whoa. right now. Okay, now, is that uh-huh. a challenge to Mary Per? to what degree she's being authentic at that particular moment? Okay, Mary says to you, Greg, I don't know if you can hear it, but I just slammed my hand on the table. I don't know what the right. and I'm going to use a word that I usually don't use, but what I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Why in the world would you say something like that about me? You're mischaracterizing my <laughs> whole actions, my intent, and I totally don't appreciate it. Now, Bart, Whoa. I could just look at yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I would just look at her. It wouldn't say anything for several seconds. And I'm doing that to observe what she then does as far as her next actions. Because what I've done is intentionally tried to provoke her to displaying some form of action. She's now displayed it. Now I want to see what she does next if I do not give her another stimuli. I want to see what she's going to do next. And and, and then if she says, um, okay, well... Um, you know, maybe maybe I was a little over the top or something of that nature. That then tells me, you know, to what degree you can push her, how she'll respond, and I can use that later in the negotiation. But it all starts with setting the foundation by observing how that person acts in different environments and being able to compare how they act in the negotiation to validate to what degree those actions are real or feigned. Oh, well... And and just one final thing I've got to say because uh, we're keeping on one of the things that we've seen played out in, the, in our political arena uh, of late. Alas, um, as you say, we would hope they would be better than that. Uh, but you've seen a personal. You've, there's a lot of personal attacks going on in in the negotiation. You know, you, we can't settle this. We don't seem to be able to settle on this issue. So so you're the biggest, lo- the dumbest clout and. and 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 so forth and so on, and uh, you hear this 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 terrible vitriol pounded out. You have been the victim of that uh, yourself, I'm sure, in some negotiations. Could you give us just one one little way of uh, how you, how you handle that when someone comes right after you? Well, first of all, again, it goes back to how people try to position themselves and you in a negotiation, and. Some of those tactics that you just alluded to are nothing more than bullying tactics. You know, you're you're the dumbest cloud in the sky or something of that nature. And anytime someone tries to bully you, once you're sure that's exactly what they're doing, put them in their place immediately. You can do that by addressing them head on. You can do it by sidestepping them and saying something along the lines of, you know, you may be right, and walk away from them. 
You leave them to argue by themselves. Dependent upon the situation that I've been in when such has occurred, I have matched the bully's rhetoric by saying something along the louds of, well, at least I'm in the damn sky. You know, where are you? Right. Or something of that nature. The, the, the point The point is, you want yeah, to yeah, confront yeah. that indiv- some individuals sooner than later because I talk about three classifications of bullies. There's the what I term want-to-be bully, and I mentioned this in my, my book, Negotiating with a Bully, the want-to-be bully right. who's really trying to act out to show someone that he's trying to please how diligent he can be he's in addressing such a crowd. crowd. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What about the other two? Well, there's that mid-level bully who has graduated from that entry level, and he has gained some insights about bullying tactics that he can use that will make others retreat from a position that he has. Then there's the bully that I call the the bully that has evolved to a full-fledged bully because he knows that in order for him to win, the only way he can do so is to make you lose, and he will be the type of bully that has to show his followers that he can sustain those actions, and he does so as an offense to keep others in a defensive mode by constantly attacking them and trying to demean them. And here's something else that you have to remember when you're in a negotiation. Just because the other person says it doesn't make it so. Only you can define whom it is that you really are, and you can do it in several environments depending upon the degree of the negotiation, with whom it is that you're negotiating, and to what degree you want to make the person be a fool in your environment that you're negotiating in. I think you're right. And I, I see what you're saying, that you do have to define yourself. It's great. Greg, I'd love to go on the rest of the afternoon here, but un, alas, we, we are running out of time. The, the, the maid with a mop in the, uh, into the studio is coming here and, and, and shaking it at me. So uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to change up. But I want to thank you so much for coming on. And again, where can they pick up a copy of Negotiating with Bullies? Everywhere that fine books are sold, and you can also just search the body language expert or the master negotiator body language expert, and you can find the book any place fine books are sold. Great. Thank you very much, and thanks so much for coming on and enlightening on us, enlightening us and, and me. Boy, I, I, I've learned a lot, and if I've learned a lot, certainly the people on the, on the show who are much better can learn a lot more. So I thank you so much, and uh, we'll have to have you back again. Thank you for inviting me, Bart. Okay. And uh, today, as we round out our marvelous Feast of Wisdom, I'm Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who was it who said, the strong conviction that something must be done is the parent to many bad measures. (laughs) And uh, as a hint of who said this, the worldly wise New Hampshire's senator who said this was uh, debatably told that he could negotiate his way with the devil himself. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune in to us next week when we have Mr. Rob Woods, Darwin, Australia's most adventuresome and environmentally 
passionate tour guide as he takes you far, far out, back amidst the crocs and pythons, and shows you how transforming your business into a mission will win you profit fulfillment and position as a leader in your industry. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, do you ever notice how most of the screamed, wrath, vindictive, vengeance, poisoning workplace seems to spring from folks who are incredibly angry with their own failures? Just a thought. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as Greg and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>